Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by innovation specialist, uh, K-5 innovation specialist, Beth Barra. Uh, Beth comes to us from the Marshfield Public Schools. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Beth, um, you are going to be a featured speaker at the fall conference this year, the 40th annual fall conference. Um, what were sort of your thoughts when, when you were asked to be a featured speaker? What, like, that's got to be kind of wild, right? Yeah, I was blown away. I was really honored, and I still feel really honored um, to be chosen. I was a classroom teacher for so many years. I've attended multiple MassQ conferences, and to be able to be a featured speaker was, you know, something I never saw in the cards for myself. But I, like I said, I'm really humbled and and grateful that, to, um, you know, I was chosen, and I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. So talk about your work in the classroom. What, what um, sorts of things do you do as a K-5 innovation specialist in Marshfield? Yeah. So um, prior to being innovation specialist, I was a classroom teacher for you know, 10 years, 11, 12 years. Um, so as an innovation specialist, I try and use what I did in the classroom and bring that to the students and the teachers as well. So last year we did sort of like a coaching model where I would come in and show best practices with teachers, um, show them different tools, different, um, you know, um, things that we had. So I brought in the green screens or I'd show Ozobots. Um, and I'm trying to also do that this year with students, as well as trying to do some digital citizenship and other types of lessons. Um, so for example, I just was in a third grade classroom and they're actually going to Plymouth Patuxet tomorrow. So what I did was I printed out a map of um, the route that the Mayflower took, and then students had to code um, the trip that they took. And then there was a storm that happened uh, in the middle of the Atlantic. So the students had to code the Ozobot to spin off course. Um, so just trying to really bridge um, the curriculum with um, some digital tools and get the kids excited and engaged and um, just having the teachers thinking about a different way to approach um, their curriculum. Yeah, I know we used to, when I taught U.S. history, we would do the Mayflower Compact. And man, oh man, there's not a lot of things you can do to make that interesting. But that sounds yep. like a lot of fun. Yeah, the kids loved it. And then we also were really fortunate to have VR goggles. Um, so then we had some VR trips. I actually last year took um, the school's 360 camera and went around downtown Plymouth because I live very close by. Um, so to have those actual tangible um experiences for the kids. Um, they were really, really excited to see that. And we went to the Forefathers Monument and some of them didn't even know that that existed. So it was, again, just a really great opportunity to bridge the gap between the curriculum and make it really real for them. Yeah. And the 360 camera, I I'm interested in this. I want to hear about this. Yeah. So it's just a Ryko camera. Um, and we, you know, I have a, like a selfie stick almost <laughs> and I go through um, and when I upload the 360 video, the kids can use the goggles and look up, look down, look all around. Um, so I did one through Plymouth. I did one, um, one of our schools has this beautiful nature trail um, by the marsh. So when students are learning about um, the different ecosystems, they can use that as well. If they're not at, a diff if they're not at that particular school, they can experience um, seeing the marsh at that particular school. So again, just making it um, more realistic for them and, and um, 
that's something that they won't forget. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think during COVID, the 360 cameras and the field virtual field trips really sort of came to the forefront, right? Everyone's stuck at home, but we want to go somewhere. And, and it, it was like the perfect storm of like the process became easy to use. The cost came way down to virtually free. Like a lot of people yeah. were looking for something to do. And they said like, oh, let's go to the Uffizi Gallery in, um, you know, in Florence and we can take mm -hmm. a look at these paintings or let's go to the Get Battle of Gettysburg and we'll go through, you know, and, and I just I love the love the love the, that stuff. Yeah, and we have a subscription to, um, well, it was Google Expeditions, mm -hmm. that's no longer, uh, but Expeditions Pro has some great um, also tours that you can take, those virtual field trips. But what I find is that you can just find um, 360 videos on YouTube. So the kids are learning how to open up the camera app, scan a QR code, and then just bringing them right to that experience. Um, so I was really working on curating those videos that were appropriate and tied in. Um, and teachers loved it. Kids loved it. Yeah. So I'll continue doing stuff like that. Yeah. Well. Nat, Nat Geo has some amazing 360 videos on YouTube. Yeah. We did some underwater ones last year when we were learning about turtles in first grade. Um, and they had some beautiful uh, sea turtle videos. It was so calming. Yeah. The kids loved it. Yeah. Now, you have two young kids, right? I do. How do you feel now? This I do too. I have a 10 year old and a seven year old. How mm -hmm. do you feel about working with kids in the classroom and then thinking about what your own kids like. I feel like I, I'm able to take stuff that I see my own two kids do and be like, you know what, I think this might really work in a classroom setting. I absolutely do that. Um, so for example, I know I have a third grader and a first grader right now. So whatever I'm doing with my third graders or first grade teachers at my school, I actually share a lot of this stuff with my own kids teachers. Um, and they're really appreciative. But also I think it helps me put in the frame of mind you know, I relationships are so important to me when I'm working with different classrooms, especially since I am at two different schools. I try my best to build relationships with the students and with the teachers. Um, so when I tell them, you know, you're in third grade, I have a third grader at home too. This is what they're learning. You know, it really makes a huge difference. And I can tie in and say, you know what, I know that that's what my son's learning. That's what you guys will either be learning about or have already learned it. So right. it's really, um, really great. And then I go home and I do the same with my kids. Yeah. You know what my third graders were learning or my first graders were doing. So I know you're supposed to be doing that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I definitely um, use my kids as guinea pigs too. I've tested yeah. them. like, Hey, what do you guys think about, you know, whatever topic, whatever thing it is, if it was like, um, uh, what was the coloring app that was great? Um, that did the 3d. Uh, oh, was it? Um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause it's not, it's not free anymore. It used to be free and it's not free anymore. Uh, yeah. It was such a bummer. But my kids loved that. Like we'd go out to restaurants and I'd bring a packet. Yes. Um, and the kids would we color did, and then, yeah. I did the same. Um, oh my gosh, it's going to it's gonna bother me. I have it on one of the iPads across, this, across the room. I'll go grab it. Um, but the same thing, we did that. And so same thing. They were guinea pigs. I said, okay, my students are Quiver. learning about. Quiver. What is it? Quiver. That's what Quiver, yes. So I started with the different holidays. I think it was around um, like winter time. Mm -hmm. They had a winter holiday pack. Yep. So I said to my own kids, let's make sure this works. And then I ended up doing that as a center for kindergarten and first grade. And they loved it. They thought it was magic. I'm like, okay, so if my kids thought it was great, then yeah. I know everyone else will really enjoy it. So right, right. yeah, that is a huge loss to us that it's no longer free. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my, when I 
try stuff on my own kids they're going to be the, the the harshest critics that i'm going to face yeah so and they'll be like dad this is so lame i'll be like okay so we're going to scratch so that off we're going to scratch that off we're not going to do that yeah. one um <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like having them, it, it's, it's been a great incubator for that. Um, I, and I want to talk about your, uh, your two presentations as a featured mm-hmm. speaker. Are you really an ally? And that's going to be on Wednesday um, mm-hmm. at 1015. Um, so let's talk about uh, what is exploring what it means to be an ally. Sure. So that's something that's really, uh, I'm really passionate about is um, just like I said, relationships, building relationships is so important to me. And I feel like we as teachers um, need to support our students in in any way. Um, And that includes standing up for those students who are BIPOC, you know, our black indigenous people of color. Uh, We need to stand up for our LGBTQ plus students, whether they are LGBTQ plus or they come from a family of LGBTQ plus. I feel like we really need to um, take a look at our curriculum and you know, with a really, um, with an ally lens really, and say to ourselves, okay, how can we incorporate and include everybody? Because unfortunately our curriculum is not as inclusive as it should be. Um, so tying in any way we can with through literature or through examples, or, you know, just putting things in our classroom to be you know, like a beacon to those students to say, hey, this is a safe place. I'm here to support you in any way. Um, it makes a huge difference. And again, that's something I'm super passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah. And schools are supposed to be a safe place, right? It's supposed Absolutely. to be a place where kids feel welcome and they feel comfortable and they're able to take risks. Um, yeah. And I think we sort of lose sight of that sometimes. I do. And I think a lot of times we as adults feel uncomfortable bringing up that topic. Like, oh, they're just kids. They're not going to understand that, you know, I'm here just to teach, uh, teach their cur- curriculum. But actually, we should be the ones to, that are talking about those types of things. Because if we're not going to be talking about it in school, chances are not, not it's not going to happen at home. Those conversations aren't happening all the time. Are there some families that do talk about that? Absolutely. Mm. But not everybody um, is as inclusive or open-minded or, um, you know, so I think, again, uh, we as teachers need to um, need to be that safe place for those students and have those tough conversations. And I think, um, you know, there needs to be, you know, I'm, there needs to be me at every school. I need to be. At every school. <laughs> there needs to be someone like me at every school, yeah. and and um, you know, you'll see in lots of classrooms that I'm in pride flags, and I think that's you know awesome at the kindergarten, you know, the elementary level to have that in a kindergarten classroom. It's huge. Do all the kids know about it? Do we talk and openly say like this is what that is? No, we don't explicitly announce it, but it's there for for someone. Um, to see that. So because representation matters. Absolutely. Thank you. Right. Took that out of my mouth. Yes. Took the <laughs> yeah. phrase out of my mouth. But it does, right? So I'm a white guy. I mm-hmm. all of my I open up a history I was a history major. The entire curriculum that I studied was about people that looked like me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I remember sitting in a in a uh, a, a freshman level survey U.S. history course, and there was a, a, a black woman in our class. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, her experience is a lot different than mine. This is as, like a 19-year-old. I'm thinking, yeah. she's not looking at this at this the same way I am. Um, right. And it was kind of, that was eye-opening to me. Um, but again, like you said, with the pride flag or, you know, signs, signage in classrooms, the stuff mm-hmm. you matter, you know, um, the, the representation, you see a lot of companies have moved towards uh, advertising where it's, 
not the traditional, you know, tall, skinny, white person that is, you know, modeling the clothes. Um, there's a there's a Target ad where there's a child in a wheelchair. Um, yes, that, I love that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm I did a session um, at last year's MassQ about um, how you can be more inclusive in your literacy and your reading. Um, classrooms. And that was something that I noticed in my, in my research was that even books like children's picture books, a huge percentage of those children's books are, um, characters are animals. Whereas it was something like 50% of children's books, the main characters are animals. Only like 1% of those children's books were, uh, people of color or indigenous or AAPI. So think about that. Books would rather make children's, you know, have a picture book that has an animal rather than a person of color. And so that was just so alarming to me. So even just having a book in your classroom that has a main character that is a person of color, it, again, that just shows representation matters. There's someone in your in your classroom that's going to see that and say, wow, that's me. I can see myself in this book. And that should, you should think about that always. Your students should see themselves in your classroom, no matter where that is, right. in your curriculum, in, you know, and like you said, in the posters, I have a poster in my room that says everyone's welcome mm -hmm. with all the different colors. And again, just everyone should see themselves represented. So that's huge and really something important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your second presentation is promoting digital learning tools through a UDL lens. And I know UDL is is a really, really huge goal in the East Bridgewater Public Schools. And you brought yes. that you brought that to Marshfield. Yes, I did. Well, I didn't. I, I can't take the credit for it. Um, but yeah, so when I was in East Bridgewater, we uh, were really like ahead of the game when mm -hmm. it came to UDL. Um, so I've had lots of experience and trainings with Katie Novak from, um, you know, because she is the founder of, <laughs> of UDL. She's amazing. If you haven't heard about Katie Novak, you need to research her because she's incredible. Um, and then when I came to Marshfield last year, that was when they started on their UDL journey. So I was already, you know, knowing about it. So um, that was really helpful when I was going into the classrooms. I was trying to tell the, te you know, like show the teachers hey, have you ever used a choice board before? Uh, let's give our students choice and voice. And the, we have so many digital tools that we're able to do that instead of just having your students, you know, um, make something at the beginning of the year all about them. Why don't you have a paper version, but also give them a digital version? We could have them talk about how to pronounce their name on Flipgrid, or we could have them make a Google slide. So giving them the choice to access the curriculum same firm goal, but flexible means. It's so important and so helpful um, for a variety of different students. Yeah, and it really hits uh, hits along the four C's, right? The critical thinking, collaboration, yeah. creativity, and communication. That that is so important with ed tech tools and finding the right ed tech tools, but at the same time being accessible for learners too. Yes, exactly. And um, where I am in Marshfield, we have a large EL population. So, and again, varying levels um, of of their English. So, in thinking about how they can access the curriculum, you have to be flexible um, and, and thinking like that. That's when digital tools come in, and it's just you know, it's really awesome to see these students um, have the choice, like, wait, I can do it this way. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. If, if you're, 
if you're more interested in learning how to, you know, use Google Slides, or if you want to be, a, if you're a budding YouTube star, go ahead, go ahead on Flipgrid and talk about it instead of writing. So again, I think it teaches autonomy for students. Um, and again, just the different accessibility. It's so that's what I'll be talking about. I'm really excited about that too. And what are some of the tools that you're going to be sharing? Um, I'll be sharing Flipgrid, um, Book Creator are some of the things that I'll be talking mm -hmm. about. Um, obviously, the G Suite apps like Google Slides, Google Docs, um, definitely talking a lot about choice boards, because I think that is an easy way, of, uh, you know, entry level way for, for teachers to get started on their UDL journey. Yeah, I, choice boards, I think, are some of the most underrated options for assessment for students. Like, Here's an opportunity mm -hmm. to, to show what you know in a way that you like to do it. Like instead of having to sit down and take a test, you can, you can make a baseball card um, or, wow. you know, about a person or, you know, do a podcast or create a green screen video or as I'm sitting in our green screen and podcast studio right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's stuff, that kind of stuff. Like it just seems like a layup, right? Like just do the choice totally. boards. It's. You get, you get your kids to, to have all sorts of chances to, to show what they know. Um, and to be successful and yeah. to try new things. And I feel if they're interested in a topic and they say, you know, I've never used, I don't know, the 3D printer before, but I really want to learn how to do it. This is the perfect opportunity for them to have that choice. Uh, and I just think about it because uh, a teacher last year, that was one of her, her choice boards that she, uh, the students had to make a game based on something that they had been learning about. And one of the choices was you can make the board game paper and pencil, or you can make your board game pieces through the 3D printer. So they had to learn the brand new um, technology. They had to learn how to use um, you know, the program to find, um, I'm trying to think of what the website is off the top of my head, um, where they can find all the files and they had to download it. Like to a, the thing, like a Thingiverse or one of those. Thingiverse, that, okay. that's what it was. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Thingiverse. Um, or they could have even, even created it. Um, it was just, some of them found it challenging and then decided halfway through, you know what, that's too difficult for me. I'm going to do the paper and pencil, which is, again, that's fine because it's all about trial and error and right. learning about yourselves and maybe you're not ready for it yet, right. but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to do it. Aren't those the kind of risks we should be asking kids to take absolutely. Though, in a safe space? Yes, absolutely. Right. So kids are taking a risk in an opportunity and, and challenging themselves in a different way. They're not saying like, I'm going to sit down and write this essay for 45 minutes. They're creating something. And at the end, they've got a physical, tangible item that they're able to to hold and that and they're say, proud of. Yeah, right. That they're proud of. So many of them afterwards told me that they were going to put it in their shelf in their bedroom mm. because that was something that they created and they built and they worked really hard on and they were proud of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as far as uh, your your presentation goes, um, is it going to be more like a like a here's some tools you can take a look at, or we're going to actually dive into the use of the tools? I think it will be a little bit of both. I I want to be able to you know, lecture and talk about them. But I also want teachers to think about how can I use that in my classroom? Okay, so this is how this teacher did it. This is an example. Now let me think about my curriculum, my lessons. How can I incorporate that? So, and then what better way to do it than to have me there and kind of guide you and, and you know, take a risk, try it. And if you need help, I'll be there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and that's the kind of, that goes to the coaching model, right? Yeah. Like being able to say to a staff member, like, I know that this isn't something you might be perfectly comfortable with, but we can work together on this and then yeah. eventually we'll take the training wheels off and you'll just go. Yeah. The I do, we do, you do yeah. Yeah. Type model. Right. That's, that's what we, that's what we do here in Marshfield. And, um, and I love it. I love working with teachers and there are definitely some that I just have to show you know, one model lesson and they're good to go. And then there are some that are like, can you come in every single Wednesday and teach me this? <laughs> and eventually we'll have to take the training wheels off. But, you know, the fact that teachers are just taking that risk and trying something new is commendable. And I think we should celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. What are your what are your favorites right now that you're working with with teachers? Um, well, I think what what I just did with third grade was definitely my favorite. Um, but also we're doing because it's October and we're talking a lot about cyberbullying um, for fifth grade. What we're doing is um, we are making posters mm -hmm. uh, so they can either make a digital poster or they can do the, the hand, actual hands on poster um, about being an upstander, about standing up to to bullies and um, making kindness posters. And then we're going to hang them throughout the school. Nice. So. And then um, actually I was talking with my principal and she said, wouldn't it be cool if we could videotape them in front of the green screen? So that's something, you know, on the horizon that we'll be doing as well. And they'll be featured because um, we have like a, a daily announcement, a daily message. So they'll be featured in the message and it'll just be really exciting. I can't wait to start filming with them and yeah, that's using cool. the tools. Yeah. yeah. And that's taking it to the next level, right? You've involved them in the process of the policy. You've, they're explaining the policy to each other and then they're advertising the policy and then they're creating policy, yes. which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can people find you online? So I am most active on my Instagram um, as well as Twitter. And that is at Mrs. Underscore underscore Barra. You can find me, like I said, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you'll probably see me around MassQ as well. <laughs> Feel free to stop me if you see me. I'll be looking for some cookies. Awesome. I know that there's ice cream at 2 o'clock on Wednesday. I don't know. I'm sure there's cookies, too. I am on the lookout for those cookies. Okay. Yeah. Are they the Haagen-Dazs? I don't know. I hope so. I hope it's I good. Yeah. Good. No, because I don't want, like, you know, don't show up with, like, an ice cream sandwich for me. I want, like... <laughs> I know. I want the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a six time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, yeah, Gillette Stadium. We want, you know, we're up, up here with the ice cream choices. We're not the, right. not the Detroit Lions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beth Barrett, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing everyone. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ. Here to educate, connect, and inspire.